I don't care if you guys don't find me funny, you know, because I know that I'm funny because people tell me I'm funny. Like just the other day, I was talking to this girl and I was like, hey, so you're trying to have sex with me? She was like, <laughs> you're funny. So I'll need you guys. All right, I'm going to finish this show on a high note. All right, guys. Keep it going for your host, Dan, everybody. He's amazing. Keep it going for him. Give it up for Guy Rubin, everybody. Guy kind of reminds me, or it makes me think, like, if Andrew Dice Clay started vaping instead of exercising, like, that's how it would have turned out. <laughs> anyway, that's our show. You guys have been an awesome audience. I have to go... Uh, Babysit my brother's dog. Happy Friday, everybody.
Thank you. 
Exercise 14. For our last exercise, begin. Starting position. Stand erect, arms at sides. One. Bend over at waist, letting arms and head drop in a relaxed Relaxed man. Starting position. Stand erect, arms at sides. Movement one. Bend over at waist, letting arms and head drop in a relaxed manner.
Cause the slick is wet glass And the gate lets the force out But through none shall pass But when I'm with you It's just me and my time Guess I've taken some more Who knows which time I'll ride But one of the reasons To unite me with you I'm sure of that, baby If a heart tells the truth
your shoulders, supporting your hips with your hands. Now, move your legs in a pedaling motion as if you were riding a bicycle. One, two, one, two, one, two. Number one, lie on your back, feet together. Right hand on right shoulder. Left hand holding top of head, keeping elbows near floor. Now, pull head to the left as you pull right shoulder to the right. Now let's reverse. Left hand on left shoulder, right hand holding top of head. And remember to keep elbows near floor. Now pull head to the right as you pull left shoulder to the left. Pull, relax. Pull, relax. Pull, relax. 
This is exercise six. Lie on your tummy, hands out in front, feet together. Now reach forward with your hands and rock back and forth. This is a blindfold, Bert, and I'm just gonna put it on you here. Uh, Ernie, hey, hey, don't do that. Ernie, I can't see. Good, then you're ready. Ready for what? Well, this is a listening game. See, I'm going to make some sounds, and you're going to guess what they are. You see, Bert? I can't see anything, Ernie. Right you are, Bert. Now then, what's this sound? Well, you kids at home try to guess, too. I 
Now I'm sure I know what it is. You just wound it, right? Very good, Bird. Thanks. That was indeed the sound of me winding the alarm clock. Okay, now listen again, everybody, and see if you can tell what this is. That's the sound of... comes in. Thank you. 
fuzzy face. Why are you crying and looking up in the sky? Cookie. You want a cookie? I lost my cookie. I dropped my cookie. Yeah, but you're looking up in the sky. You mean to tell me that you dropped your cookie and you're looking up in the sky for it? That's right. Don't you know the difference between up and down? Oh, sure. I don't think you do. No? But I know something that might help you. Well, I know a song all about up and down. You do? Yes, I do. Oh, so do I. You do? Uh-huh. Well, then what are we waiting for? Let's have some music. Music! See a birdie flying high and free. Oh, I look down and then the sidewalk is what I see. I look up and see the sky. I look down and see the ground. I look at you and sing a song about up and down. Yeah, I look down and I see bugs and stuff like that. Oh, yeah, yeah I look up and I see a tree. Hey, I, I see some ants. Down there. Oh, look up there, I see clouds. Jeez, yeah, I... you know what else I see? I look up and see an airplane flying. Yes, I do. Well, I look down and see my foot, and then I see my shoe. I look up and see the sky. I look down and see the ground. I look at you and sing a song about up and down. You know, I look up, but I can't see my cookie. Well, you're looking in the wrong direction. You dropped your cookie and you're looking up in the sky for it? That's right. Don't you know the difference between up and down? Oh, sure. I don't think you do. No? But I know something that might help you. Well, I know a song all about up and down. You do? Yes, I do. Well, so do I. You do? Uh-huh. Well, then what are we waiting for? Let's have some music. No. Fluctuation Control and Sealing Repairs, Bureau of Edible Condiments, Soluble, Insoluble, and Indigestible Fats and Glutinous Derivatives, Washington, D.C. Directive 943455601. 
As of September 1st, September 1st, 1954, the price of groundhog meat will be fixed at a level a little higher than the price of groundhog meat on October 15th, 1907. 1907, with the exception of the little water route outlined in the Bureau's directions of 1916, for finding the Kansas City Stockyards note slightly higher west of the Rockies. Bob and Ray are glad to read this as a public service. Now here's the picture all America has been waiting for. Now at last it can be told. Now for the first time someone dares tell this different story. You'll be shocked. You'll be thrilled. You'll laugh. You'll cry. You'll wish you stayed home. When you see Repulsive Pictures' greatest triumph. Grub, the story of food. It took five years to film this moving spectacle. Imagine the stark realism of tons of roast beef consumed by 5,000 extras. See 1,500 screaming babies waiting for their strained spinach. See tons and tons of frozen food. Women fought for. Men died for. Grub. Grub stars Sherman L. Sturdley as Fearless Big Leone. Marsha Van Allshot as Luscious Lucretia. Plus Jonas Lattimore as the kindly old grocer. And introduces Barry Campbell as Big Leone's son, Mario, who'll sing his way into your heart. Can't you hear me? Listen to an unforgettable scene from the picture Grub. Figlione has just been refused admittance to the cafeteria by Lucretia. You mean I, I won't have my grub today? I'm sorry, Figlione. If it were anyone but you. But you've always given me my grub, Lucretia. But today, Figlione, you have no ticket. If you were to be challenged in the grub line and you had no ticket, it would mean instant death. But Lucretia, you don't understand. I must have my grub. Yes, scenes such as this are many in Repulsive Pictures' latest release. Filmed in various shades of gray, be sure and see Grub, the story of food. Produced by the same studio which gave you the moving vehicle, Crosstown Bus. See Grub, the story of food opening soon at your neighborhood theater. Once again, it's time for Matt Neffer, Boy Spot Welder. Brought to you by stuff you put in a glass that fizzes up and gets all over your suit and everything. Matt's trying days at the aircraft plant are over now. He's between jobs and sitting in his tastefully appointed apartment. He hears the doorbell ring and his friend Todd enters. Todd, come in. Yes, Matt. I hurried over when I discovered you were between jobs. <laughs> it's a nice way of putting it. Actually, <laughs> here I am, the world's champion spot welder, and I'm... Out of work, Todd. Well, that job at the aircraft plant is over now, Matt, but as champion welder, I'm sure you'll get another job very quickly. Out here in the back entry, Todd. Yes. Mm -hmm. Boy, it's cold out here. Yes, there's a nip in the air. Hey, 
Don't have any heat out here, Todd. Well, it does keep the vegetables and apples nice and cold. That's what we use it for. And in the summer, it's always cool. In the winter, it's cold here. In the summer, it's always cool. Do you come out here and sit in the vestibule in the summertime very often? No, we don't call it that. We just call it the back entry, Todd. Mm. I do sit out here often in the summer months. Well, Matt, I, I wonder just what's been going through your mind since your last day at the aircraft plant. Whether or not you've had time to think about the future, to to plan on what you're going to do now, and, well, to get yourself busy... I'm here, Todd, in the sewing room on the second floor. Right. Second floor, did you say, Matt? Right. That would be two flights. No, no. Just the second floor. No, come back down. Oh, I've done one too many. Right. Now, stop right at this landing. That's it. Now in here. Straight down the hall. Right or left? Straight down the hall. You can't miss me. I'm here by the window. See? Here I am. I see you now, yes. You're looking out the window, Matt. Yes. The reason I came up to this room, I get a wonderful view of my backyard and the yard next door. Uh, Todd, do you notice anything peculiar over there? Something that the police should be told about? Well, let let me look, Matt. I... I've seen that backyard a good many times. I've never noticed anything particularly unusual. No, no, I, I don't see anything there. I don't either. So I guess I won't call the cops. Leisure has overtaken Matt Neffer as he struggles to find something to keep him busy until the next spot welding job. He and his friend Todd talked long into the night. Next time, join us when we hear Matt say, Over here in the dumb waiter, Todd. In the next episode of Matt Neffer, Boy Spot Welder. Now it's time for Just Fancy Dan, the Barber of Hartsdale. As we look in on Just Fancy Dan, we see him by his barber chair, attired in purple corduroy trousers, a kind of beige suede shoes, and a real gone blue hat. He's talking to Pliny, who's in the chair. Well, Pliny, you've had your troubles, all right. Just want to say, we're almighty grateful for what you've done. Well, Pliny, it's nothing that any barber wouldn't have done. Oh, shucks, no. It's not that. What are you talk. grateful about? Everything. We're all done. grateful. I want to tell you that the wife is grateful too. How's your wife feel about all I've done for your family, Pliny? She's grateful. Well, I'm sure. Kids are all mighty grateful well, too. And I'll bet the kids are quite appreciative of all. They that. want to appreciate. They appreciate everything you've done. You just turn a little bit this way. What's all that right, you Dad. say about appreciating, Pliny? I say we appreciate it. Well, I don't. What want you've no, done for us? Don't We're all want mighty no grateful. Thanks for nothing I did. Well. Something that should be said, and I'm well, glad to say it. I'm how's grateful. your wife? Is she grateful She's the way grateful. you are? She's grateful. Well, I'm sure she should be, and all your kids, too. Kids are grateful. We're almighty grateful to you, Dad. Well, I didn't do much of nothing for you, Pliny. I just tried to help you out over that tough spot you were getting uh, getting into there. Just one thing I want to say to you, Dan. Okay, let me get the left side of the sideburns there. One thing I want to say to you. You want to say any one thing to me, Pliny, before right. I... We're grateful. Well, it's, it's certainly nothing I wasn't happy to do, I'll tell you that. 
I like to stick my nose in people's business. Wait a minute. Kind of, oh. You nicked me a little? Oh, it seemed like I did, yeah. Well. It's kind of flowing there. Well, I've had a full and happy life. Oh, now, Pliny, don't go talking like that. Lie down on the floor, so. All right, Dad. Well. We're all grateful to you. Oh, now, Pliny, you're going to pull through, all right. We're all mighty grateful, Dan. Just got so, your wife grateful, too, yeah, Pliny. Yeah, she's grateful. And the I kids suppose are all grateful. The kids and your wife and you are, just can't thank me enough for all I've done for you. Getting quite weak now, Dan. Yeah, let me put this pillow under your feet. I always say get your feet up higher than your head in cases like this. I, I certainly think that's right now. I didn't mean to nick you that way, Pliny. Well... Accidents will happen, Dan. Oh, of course. We're all mighty grateful for what you've done. Don't you talk that way. I've had a full, rich, and happy life. Well, I'll just... I want to say goodbye to you, Dan. I'll cauterize Before I go, though, I want to say one thing. Yeah, you want to say anything, Pliny? Right. What is it? I'm grateful. Something about you being grateful, your wife, kids, and everybody, I suppose. We're all mighty grateful. I'm glad you're grateful. Yes, we're all mighty grateful. We've been listening to Just Fancy Dan, the plain barber of Hartsdale. And now it's time for King Yukon of the Northwest. (gasps) King Yukon is a big, beautiful dog. And, of course, he belongs to the great sergeant of the Northwest Mounted Police, the late, great Sergeant Clarence E. McGillicuddy. As we look in on Sergeant McGillicuddy, our down king, King Yukon is right at his heels as they make their way into Dawson. And we hear... Come on, dog. Got to ride into Dawson for supplies. Sergeant there. Yes, dog? I'm not the dog there. I am Pierre. Oh, yeah. Pierre, the half-breed on it there. Yes, Pierre. Hey, what was you doing on top of that dog there? You was taking him on top of the town there with the big, uh... What's the matter with that dog there? Well, Pierre, nothing's the matter with the dog. We were just striking down a group of desperate criminals. Oh. Oh, you mean some was, uh... Take the pelt from on top They've of the traps They've been stealing there. the pelts out of the traps, Pierre, and we're here to straighten out the whole thing. Get that dog away on it, there. I'll kick him on top of Chubbs there. Down, boy. I see you don't like dogs, Pierre. I don't like a dog that was growl on top of me there. He never barks or growls unless he knows there's something that he shouldn't like about I got half pound hamburg on top of the back pocket. That's what he oh, was smelling. Oh, that's probably the reason. Down, boy. It was not that. I will kick that dog there. You don't know, talk him off there. Well, we've got to be getting Talk him, him off me there. Come on, boy. Down. Hey, Sergeant. Uh, he is pretty mean. Hey, Sergeant there. Uh, oh, he's going after me now. Wait just a minute. Down, boy. Why you have a dog like that, Sergeant? It was making trouble all the time. I don't know. They just assigned him to me. I was get get him loose there on top of the woods. Uh, down. Down, boy. Have you been having any trouble with your pelts, Pierre? Yeah, they was not hold up these pans there. I was having an awful time on top of the cold weather. You have been listening to King Yukon, the great dog, and his friend, Sergeant Clarence McKillicuddy of the Northwest Mounted Police, all brought to you by someone.
again, everyone. This is Mary Magoon. It's so good to talk to you all again. Well, now that it's time that we all think of food and so forth, I thought I should like to talk briefly about a favorite salad of mine. I know that salads are playing an ever-increasing role in serving of foods in fine restaurants and so forth. That's why I have today a favorite recipe of mine that I'd like to give you all now. It's called frozen ginger ale salad, and this is how I make it. First, you take a huge crock, and uh, I fill it with the contents of a quart bottle of ginger ale. Either pale or golden makes no difference. You just pour it in. Then I take a head of lettuce, Boston, or iceberg, or romaine, and I shred that and put that into the crock containing the ginger ale. Then I swish it all around until it's thoroughly swished. I get to giggling on that. <laughs> it's so much fun. You can wear a rubber glove if you so choose. Now, after it's thoroughly swished, I take a marshmallow and I cube it. And that will keep you busy. <laughs> and uh, after that's been cubed, friends, you put that in too. Then I take a chocolate bar with almonds and I remove the almonds and break the chocolate up into little bits and put that in too. Then I swish it all together and uh, when it's completely swished and settles down a little into the crock, I pour it off into a mold made in the likeness of a dear friend of mine. Then I take it up and put it in the freezing compartment of my refrigerator. Now, after it's hard, and you can tell uh, when it's hard because it will be hard when you touch it, you see, uh, you take it out and you chip it into individual servings, serve it with argyle sock sauce and garnish with pimento. Well, that's about it. You serve that to your family and I know they'll really appreciate it. It's a dish fit for a king. again for Mr. Trace, keener than most persons. Today, the surly old investigator draws from his files the folder marked The Peg Leg Man Murder Clue. It's late of an afternoon in some season, and in his office, Spike Delancey expostulates. Look here, boss, in my sandwich, worms. Uh. What's that spike, you they say? They look like worms. Oh. Saints for his office, boss. You don't suppose that somebody's trying to, to get me, boss? I would say this is a plot of some kind, Spike. <laughs> Something more deadly than anything that I man could imagine. I hate worms in my sandwich, boss. Spike, I think the heat has been getting you a little bit. Here, sit down by the air conditioner and cool off. All right, boss. Here, let me pour you a glass of cold water from the water cooler. Thank you, boss. You wouldn't be after having a little beer, would you, boss? I think there's some in the cooler, Spike. Fine, thank you, sir. I'll go help myself, boss. You do that, Spike. Meanwhile, you look for two. Uh, why, <laughs> Spike. My teeth almost came out, boss. <laughs> I was saying clues. Clues, right, Spike. I'll look through my report on the last case. Hmm. Nothing in here about sandwiches. Nothing in here about murder. Safe for service, boss. The door, Spike. Do you want me to open it, boss? I think you'd better. Someone evidently seeks to enter through the attic. Wait. All right, boss. 
Why, who are you? Lurking there behind the silken curtains which cover the door to my air-conditioned office. I'm not lurking, sir. I'm right here. I Spike. want to talk to you. Spike, it looks like some kind of peg-legged person. Saints preserve A seafaring man, perhaps. Obviously so, boss. Yes. Look, he has a hook to in one arm, He boss. has an evil glint in his eye. Saints preserve us. I wonder why he's come here, Spike, and why I'm... he stands there in the doorway, looking at us in contemplation, as if at any moment he might attack in some way. Or else, maybe he's here asking for help, wanting us to help him. Say... No, it's not for help. He's here to... Fire at us, Spike. Say, it's Preservus, boss. Yes, I quit down and back of the desk. All right, it's going to be open warfare. I want to talk to ye, both of ye. Us, sir? Yes, ye, both of ye. Well, come in and sit down. Say, it's Preservus, boss. I don't like the looks of this. Looks like a bad crime, Spike. Here, I'll sit here. I think I'll call this case the Peg-Legged Man Murder Clue. And so we learn why Mr. Trace calls this case the Peg-Legged Man Murder Clue. Be sure and join us next time when we'll hear the old seafarer say, And then we both settled on our side and sank beneath the waves, and I went down with it. Fulfilling the unwritten oath of all men. In the next episode of Mr. Trace, Keener Than Most Persons. Sailing the seas, their lives were. And then I remember about three days after I went down. Again, sports fans, this is Biff Burns in the sports room with another guest from the world of sports. Today, delving into the history of uh, one of our great uh, sports, we have with us on deck uh, Bim Decker, one of the champion ping pong players of all time. Bim, I'd like to fire away a few questions uh, about the great game of uh, ping pong. Well, I wish you'd fire away, Biff, and I'm here to answer the questions. There's only one correction I'd like to make. It isn't ping pong. Table tennis table is what tennis. I uh, play. It's quite going. a difference. Ping pong is just a 21 game. Table tennis, you play your regular tennis. Right. Well, that 15 love, 30 love, deuce, and so forth. One of the uh, questions in, I was going to fire at you here, so I'll have to find the second question. With ping pong, you see, you just play first one against 21 points. It's kind of for kids, I think. Table tennis is regular tennis played on a small scale before a little crowd. You're listening to Bim Decker, one of the outstanding uh, all-star table tennis champs of uh, all time. Bim, I understand that your left-handed backstroke has never been equaled by anyone in the game. Well, I'm one of those fellows who can play with either uh, hand. I uh, sometimes flip the paddle over to my right hand or my left hand. Naturally, uh, I'm a right-hander. But on occasions, I can give you a mean uh, left-handed forehand, or as you pointed out, a my left-handed left backhand, left hand. or backhanded left hand. Right, and yeah. standing back as far as you do in those championship matches, you have plenty of time to switch from right to left. Well, we stand back pretty far. It's because we wail that old pill. You can get hit with one of those, you know. It's I understand so that, uh, Bim, you've been out of the uh, ranks of the professionals for this past season. Uh, you had a recurrence of an old ailment, did you? 
That's right. I have a hamatoe on one of my feet. My second toe is a hamatoe on my right foot. Uh -huh. And also, I swallowed a ping-pong ball uh, earlier in the campaign. And it should, of course, uh, make for a little bit tough going for a while. Tell me this. Uh, who's the toughest opponent you've ever come up against in championship competition? By that, I mean you've met the best in the field. I uh, would like to know just who you rate as the toughest opponent. Well, I've read where they call me my own worst enemy. I'd, I'd say that I uh, probably... Uh, uh, myself when I'm off is uh, the worst fellow I've met up against. You yourself. Well, that's uh, I don't mean to say that I haven't played other good players, but I think that I'm my own worst enemy. As far as the bad there. players go, you're your own worst enemy. That's right, I am. I know there are a lot of uh, youngsters uh, listening in, Ben, who would like to one day grow up and uh, pass from ping pong to table tennis and become a champ like yourself. What would you advise them to do to uh, reach that height? Well, you can't get started too early, I'd start by saying to the kids. Uh, now's the time to pick up a ping-pong ball, get to know the paddle. Uh, play uh, ping-pong, table tennis every chance you get. Play fair. Uh, play honest, play hard, play spirited. When you grow up... Uh, Bam, I hate to do this, I hate to interrupt, but I see I'm getting a signal that our time is just about up. Before you go, I'd like to serve you up a real uh, hard, fast one and uh, have you give the folks a demonstration of that quick return of yours. Here it comes. Oh. Oh, uh, ladies and gentlemen, I'm sorry. It lodged in uh, Bim's mouth. He had his mouth open, and uh, we'll have to uh, attend to that after we leave the air. Sorry, Bim. Uh, that's about all we have time for in the sports room now, fans. Until next time, this is Biff Burns saying, until next time, this is Biff Burns saying so long. Welcome again to the Insomniac Theater. Today, the soundtrack from another great picture of yesterday, the 1932 success, The Desperate Man. A story about a desperate bank robber who attempts to pull off his last job. We'll begin in just one minute no, after no. this word. Uh, no, we're going to begin now because they couldn't sell anything. So oh. we got no commercials, so they can oh. start it right now. We'll begin right now with... What do you mean you don't... Wait, hold it just a second. You don't have it threaded? Uh, do you have any uh, announcement there about uh, don't yes, start forest fires? Yes, I can, fires I can fill here Good. with something. The leading role is portrayed by Worthy Dunphy, his wife by Martha Oldsweet. I wonder where they are now. And just a reminder that some of your neighbors may have retired, so keep the sound low. A lot of them have moved. And now, here is the soundtrack from the 1932 motion picture, The Desperate Man. Stretch it. He still doesn't have it threaded. Well, that's all the material I have. Wow. I, uh, here, read this announcement. The time... Uh, oh, wait, they have it now? Uh, here it is. Just about time for the big bank wobbly. Well, I wish you wouldn't do it. Well, we need the money if we're ever going to get that little chicken farm we've been planning on. But, Lawrence, if you had only worked, you could have accumulated enough money to buy any chicken oh, farm. Oh, I know, I know, but this is a surefire thing. All we got to do is walk into the bank, pull the heist, and then make the split up, and we're all set. We'll be set for life. Suppose you get caught. We won't get caught, dear. We got this thing too well planned out. Who are you pulling this job with? I'm pulling it with Eddie, Charlie, uh -oh. Dick, Jimmy, Bim, Roscoe, 
And let's see, there's one other guy. I think there's too many, too many in there. One is bound to squeal. One will sing to the cops. You well, know that, Lawrence. You gotta let me go through with this. You know, the that. more cooks and the crummy broth, you've heard that. I know what you mean, but we got this thing all planned. Well, I better be leaving. I'll meet you tomorrow and we'll get that chicken farm. You know what you're going to do now, Lawrence? Yeah, I know, uh, Roscoe. You're going to sit in the car. Why? Keep the motor humming there, boy. Okay, good luck, fellows. Okay, Lawrence. There hey. they go into the bank. Yeah? You go right over and knock off the teller. I'll okay, right. <clears throat> okay, give me all your money. What is right this? in this bag. Yeah, this hold is up. a hold-up, that's right. the garage trouble is taken from book V, chapter II, page 235. As we look in on the family now, we find that mother... Well, family, I finally got the rose bushes trimmed. Well... Just in time, too, it looks like snow. Hmm. It's a shame we didn't have one rose this summer, didn't we? Well, that's what comes of trimming them too close, like I did last year. Well, what? why don't you let them be... They're so small now, you've pruned them almost even with the earth. I thought I might call up the rose hybridizer and find out just whether I'm doing it right or wrong, Sandy. I forget what kind of roses those are out there. Well, they're some kind of But didn't we roses. have the Reza Stevens rose there one year? Well, all I can remember is the Ma Perkins rose. That was a beauty. <laughs> yes. I wonder if we'll get any message from Jack today. I don't know, but didn't we have a wonderful holiday, though? Yes, it was a More very I delightful. think of it, and the weekend of following was so exciting. All of the children were here, Hanky and Panky. Yes. Stinky and Blinky. And Slinky. And Slinky, the twins. Mm -hmm. <laughs> nice to have the whole family, <coughs> the whole family together yes. for Thanksgiving. Well, it certainly will be quiet this week. You got a cold coming no, up. Smoke of some kind, Fanny. You smoking, Fanny? I haven't smoked for a long time. <laughs> well, well, well this will be a quiet weekend compared to last. It should be, Fanny, yes. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to put my rose trimmers away. Well, all right. <laughs> well, I'll Where's just... the door uh, to, the, to the cellar, Fanny? It's right over there by the back yeah. entryway. I think maybe I'll go out and check the garage for trouble. I think... This is, where is all this smoke coming from? It's coming from the garage, Randy. Somebody left the radio on with all that fool noise. I'll go turn off the radio. <laughs> and you go see if there's any garage trouble. You've been listening to One Fella's Family. <coughs> Brought to you instead of a traffic report and a stock market roundup. <coughs> Stuff like that. <clears throat> Today's episode entitled At the Seashore, or rather, Garage Trouble, which was the episode? The Garage story? Trouble, announcer. Garage Trouble, <laughs> taken from one of the books that T. Wilson Messy has. I can't read my notes. It's too smoky in here. It's a messy production. <laughs> And 
once again, hello, ladies. This is your True to Life announcer, Danny. All right, Sitting Danny. Now, Penny's uh, True to Life kitchen. What, Danny? Danny, I want you to cut it short because the last time you talked so much, I couldn't finish my story. Well, I just like a handful of these cookies, Aunt Well, Penny. take them, Danny, and dry up. Now, what's our True to Life story about today? Today's story about Ms. and Mrs. Lawrence Hedges. And Penny, do you mind Tonight, if I you raise be... the shade? It's a little Oh, Danny, now I don't care.
Are ye on a raft without a patter? Well, gather around me, sea dogs, and get aboard me pirate ship as we set sail for the seas of Mutiny Radio.fm. From there, you can captain your own pirate ship as you sail through over 44 different shows for all of your listening pleasures. They've got live comedy to small business advice, LGBTQ-friendly to sports, vinyl to gutter punk. MutinyRadio.fm has the best programming the Internet Ocean has to offer you. I bet my peg leg on it, or I ain't scurvy shit-faced McRat. <laughs> International banking, diplomatic cables, nuclear missile launch codes all rely on unbreakable encryption. What if these codes were no longer secure? That nightmare scenario seems to be a reality. A shadowy underworld syndicate is auctioning off access to the world's encrypted secrets. The only plausible explanation for this ability? Someone has achieved the holy grail of code-breaking, quantum computing. Veteran CIA agent John Clooney must track down the perpetrators and retrieve this technology for the U.S. government. And it's personal, as the Enigma brokers have already cost the lives of his fellow agents, perhaps including his partner. John Wessick's The Enigma Brokers is the first book of the John Clooney thrillers. Get it on Amazon. Billy Bob, you ever want to be funny? Well, my dogs think I'm funny, Daryl. Well, I mean, you ever want to be, like, in front of an audience? Like, other than, like, squirrels, dogs, and dead persons? Well, shoot. From time to time, I've been giving it a thought or two. You know, if you go to Joke Workshop, there's more than two peoples paying attention to your jokes, and they ain't even gonna be jerks about it. Daryl, are you serious? I can get people to listen to my jokes? And they'll even say nice things, dude, before they tell you how to get improvements. No way. What is this dang nabbit thing called? It's Joke Workshop. Joke Workshop? Yep, every Monday, 6 to 8 p.m. on the Mutant Radius. So you're saying I could tell my jokes every Monday from 6 to 8? That's what I'm saying. It's the Joke Workshop Mondays, 6 to 8 p.m. at the Mutant Radius. Yahoo! $4.99. I was just leaving the theater. Convertible. 1969 gold Cadillac with the white material and I drove it up here. And I started to do some thinking. around in it on the freeway and I'm having a really, really good time. Flat black glass. Smoking big spliffs and cruising that Cadillac on the freeway. Good feeling, I'll tell you. Can I see? Laurie's standing here. Laurie's is absolutely right. I am petty, bilious, and adolescent. And I will cut the damn shit. Henry! Charlie here. Yeah. I have a report here, Henry, from your, uh, from your chief nurse, Major O'Houlihan. She makes some accusations, Henry. I, I find pretty hard to believe. Uh, the dude minds, man. Has John Clooney's friend and ally become a dangerous enemy? 
Private investigator Anton Gruber has been CIA agent John Clooney's trusted aide. Clooney may have questioned Gruber's taste in cuisine, but never his loyalty, until Gruber double-crossed him. Escaping with his life, Clooney is sidelined while his superior attempts to discover how Gruber was compromised. The investigation delves into Gruber's astonishing past, from his unpleasant days as an East German border guard to life as a narcotics agent, from his time in the tango clubs of Buenos Aires to a trip up the Amazon in search of Nazi gold. John Wessex's The Prague Deception is the third book of the John Clooney thrillers. Get it on Amazon. Hey, Mutineer Stolowitz here. Have you ever listened to Labor and Love on Saturday mornings, 10 to noon, with Bill Morgan? It's a really excellent show, one of my favorites here at the station. And it's all about service. It might be the devil, it might be the Lord, but we got to serve somebody. And Bill understands the virtue of service as the heart and soul of the labor movement better than a lot of people I know. And it's one of the reasons I love to listen to him. He breaks down socialism, democracy, protest history, workers' news, and the power of unions. Along with that, he serves up a excellent mix of jazz, Latin, gospel, hip-hop, and traditional folk ballads. Great stuff. Check it out. Labor and Love is every Saturday, 10 a.m. to 12 p.m. Serve somebody. Meals on Wheels is dedicated to fostering independent living for San Francisco seniors by providing hot, nutritious meals delivered to their homes. They're committed to fostering independent living for as long as possible. For more information, please call Meals on Wheels at 415-920-1111. This public service announcement is brought to you by your friends at Mutiny Radio in San Francisco. Are you looking for local handcrafted leather goods? Look no further than Skin on Skins, a local mission a leather working shop. All original pieces handcrafted for you. Jackets, belts, purses, jewelry, everything made out of leather. You need your bicycle seat fixed? You want it in cool leather? Under can do it. You have a motorcycle that you want to fit out with side bags and cool stuff talk to under go to skinonskins.com that's s-k-i-n-o-n-s-k-i-n-s.com you just went to Folsom Street Fair and you don't have enough leather go see under everything is handcrafted and understated quality fine leather handcrafted goods for all of your needs he also does fixes maybe you love that jacket He'll put the zipper back in. Talk to Under at SkinOnSkins.com at 20th and Mission. Check him out at SkinOnSkins.com. Volunteer for the San Francisco Food Bank. The San Francisco Food Bank release on volunteers like you to help sort, package, and distribute healthy food to people in need in San Francisco. Each year, over 22,000 people contribute thousands of hours to fighting hunger in our community. This support will enable the SF Food Bank to distribute 40 
93.5 million pounds of food this year, enough for 93.000 meals every day. But they can't do it without volunteers. Visit www.sffoodbank.org/volunteer. Again, www.sffoodbank.org/volunteer to find out how. are already dead. A shadowy group of killers for hire is eliminating world leaders, crime lords, and CIA agents. Inexplicably, the deceased contract killers have the DNA of people who are long dead. CIA agent John Clooney devises a dangerous plan to capture a shadow killer alive, contract a hit on himself. John Wessex, The Shadow Killers, is the second book of the John Clooney thrillers. Get it? On Amazon. Let's watch a full-length movie on YouTube with Mike Spiegelman. Let's watch a full-length movie on YouTube with Mike Spiegelman. You can watch if you want to. You can slap Spiegelman's behind. L-W-A-F-L-M-N-O-Y-T on Mutiny Radio. Mutiny. Mutiny! It's pronounced mutiny. Mutiny! It's, it's pronounced mutiny! My turn-offs are guys who say Mutinay. Mutinay? Let's watch a full-length movie on YouTube with Mike Spiegelman. Mike Spiegelman. Oh, Mike Spiegelman. 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 Wait, you really are having a belt? Uh, uh, just a quick belt before the show. Welcome to L-W-A-F-L-M-O-Y-T. Let's watch a full-length movie on YouTube with Mike Spiegelman and Carl. Hi, Carl. Hey, Mike. Just having oh, a just, belt. Oh, you got yourself a chaser. No, uh, Antonic. I love the Antonics. <laughs> we are streaming live first. 
here on mutinyradio.fm here in San Francisco's Mission District in a really beautiful part. And uh, come on by. They do shows here Monday and Fridays. You can be an audience member. It is COVID compliance. And you could perform. And you could check out and you can listen to the podcast. We have a podcast. It's by our acronym, which we mentioned up front, L-W-A-F-L-M-O-Y-T. Uh, so you can either stream us right now, Sundays, 2 p.m. Pacific Standard Time on mutinyradio.fm, or you can subscribe to our podcast, L-W-A-L-L-L-L-L-L-L-L-L-L-L-L-L-L-L-L-L-L-L-L-L-L-L-L-L-L-L-L-L-L-L-L-L-L-L-L-L-L-L-L-L-L-L-L-L-L-L-
they do say it is the sweetest place on earth. I'm yet to feel that, but that's what they say. <laughs> Sweet dicks. Woo! <laughs> I got to tell you. So, so you, if you're taking a hotel room in Manhattan, that is pricey. It is. Luckily, I started right at the peak of the pandemic when nobody was coming into the city. Okay. So I was okay. able to negotiate with the hotel and say, hey, I'm going to do this every week for at least a couple of years. Can we I walk in right Yep. And it was a nice low price and it worked out. And as things started to open up again, they kind of came and said, it's time to move on. We'll give you a couple <laughs> of weeks and that's where we're at. But it was nice while it lasted, to be honest yeah. with you. I kind of lived like the, the luxury life. <laughs> Very nice. Trump, Trump over here. So you are, we met at Scotty's when you were featuring. How long have you been a feature? So I uh, I was very fortunate coming up in comedy. I, I did a contest with a local radio guy in Pennsylvania. And in doing so, I was supposed to get to open for him at a theater. Uh -huh. And he basically said, hey, you're not ready to feature for me at a theater. What I can do is let you work for me for a while. I'll take you to some gigs. You'll get in front of 100 people every night. It doesn't pay, but it'll pay an experience. And yeah. through that, steadily increase my time and be like, hey, you're at 10 minutes now. You're doing well. Let's give you 15 flounder for a little bit and you know for <laughs> you about four out. years for about four years i was about that 20 25 minute and then really last year uh the first time we worked together it wasn't my first time featuring it was like third or fourth but right around that time is when yeah. i got the title um dave landau who i know you've gotten to see and work with a couple of times at scotty's yeah. Scotty's favorite i'd even be willing to say um he knew I was going back home to the local club, the Comedy Zone. He was going there and knew I couldn't, was having a hard time getting in and was like, why don't you just feature for me? And yeah, that was my opinion. It was really cool and it, it got me in the club. It, it did wonders. So can't say enough nice things about him. And I can't say enough nice things about you, Carl. You're oh, one of my really? favorite people to work with in comedy. There are very few comedians who are in a good mood. Um, <laughs> yeah, I've noticed that too. I don't know. I'm a bit of an anomaly. Now you've got yeah. a cool ass nickname, right? It's <laughs> the donkey of comedy. Now, where does that come from? Where was that born? And and explain it. So my last name is Camburo, as you said, and Burrow in Italian being donkey. <laughs> One day, Garrett, who's a producer at Compound Media, loved by the fans, turns around and just says, you should go by the donkey of comedy. And <laughs> sure enough, Gino Bisconti heard it and just ran with it. Oh, um, Gino, saying, right. You know, Gino is when he gets something in his head and he says it and runs with it. So that the name became immortal. And honestly, it's really cool. Uh, as a guy who worked for a network, starting out as an intern, it was a way the fans could like identify me and be like, oh yeah, it's that donkey dude. <laughs> yeah, no, at Compound Media, you're like behind the scenes, but you're on air all the time. I wouldn't, I every episode, right? They 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 refer to you, they ask a question, you supply them info. Absolutely. I, I'm the audio guy, which was cool. Um gives me the opportunity to seem smart because I have Google in front of me. But <laughs> you also, you know, get to throw out an opinion every once in a while and yeah. Everybody at Compound is really cool. Nobody's trying to steal the spotlight. Everybody's trying to give everybody else the opportunity to shine. And it's a very fun place to work. Yeah. Now, you talked a little bit about Gino's episode at Scotty's, but did you, were you on air ever talking with Gino about that? I saw the episode in which he spoke about it. Uh, we did not talk on air, the two of us. That would have been um, a great bit. That would have been it, a great story. <laughs> It would. I, I honestly had a great night because as much as yeah. they all 
did not like him, they loved us even more. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah, yeah. It, it was a great night. <laughs> yeah, by comparison, right? We're, Absolutely. We're superstars. <laughs> that night only. Absolutely. Okay, well, listen, uh, you know, I, I, I really enjoy your comedy because it's kind of low key, but also sometimes it's, it's, it's edgy, right? But, but you sneak up on them. Because you're talking quiet, you're being a nice guy, and then you run up, <laughs> smack them from the on their butts. I really <laughs> like that. Well, thank you very much. It's yeah, that's, that's definitely something I try to do with you know writing. You have to have a little bit of edge, otherwise people get tired of it. You yeah. know what I mean? You can only do the cute thing so many times. <laughs> that's and that, right. that is something I, I learned over time. Is if you didn't have some stuff that really caught people off guard, they stopped paying attention. Well, you, they trust you with the beginning. You called it cute. I don't know that you're cute, but I know exactly <laughs> what you mean. But you indeed. Try to put that into the universe. <laughs> and then you smack him on the butt. Okay, so Bobby, every, Bobby Tamburo, the donkey of comedy. Everybody at home is poised to watch this movie with us. Okay, Aladdin 1D. So uh, we want them to press play at the exact same time as we do here in the studio. So why don't you give to us, Bobby. How about that celebrity comedian countdown? All right, everybody at home, are you ready? Three, two, one, play. Gonna crack it up, Bud Spencer. Is the super, super Fanta Genio? Right, he must be orange. That is the Italian Genie. title. Genie, are you? Genie, who are you? Oh, that's it's so stupid. Genie, Genie, who, who are, are you? Oh, what are you? What are you? Where are you? Who is Genie? Genie, Genie, do. Look, Genie's talking back. Yeah, that's right. What? I said so. And it's so unfunny, all the things he says in this song. And you'll hear it at the end, too. Yeah, we'll, we'll wait till the end. You know, that song reminds me of uh, uh, the band Dance. There's ABC is one, two, three. <laughs> no, Justice. The band is called Justice, and the song is called Dance. And it sounds like exactly like it. Because it sounds like Michael Jackson a little bit. Genie. Who, me? The genie <laughs> of the lump. Oh, I am the genie of the lump. That's right. You do a great Bud Spencer. We should mention Bud Spencer is the comedy duo for uh, Terrence Hill. Right. And they were like phenomenal in Italy, cranking out movies. Terrence Hill did a solo movie in America called Mr. Billions. We watched it. We yeah. love it. Right. And now we haven't even seen them as a duo. But now we're going to see the other guy, Bud Spencer, in this movie. Right. Aladdin. I think he plays the genie. So right. are we in Italy or are we in Florida? We are in Miami, Florida, uh, where I spent many of my years growing up and, you right. know, being there through college. And uh, this is uh, really takes me back to my time in Miami, you know. So this guy is like, he goes out on the boat, he fishes or whatever. But another thing he does is he knows where some wrecks are and he knows where junk is. So he sort of screw, dra you know, dredges, drags the sand and comes up with some junky stuff. Here you go. Oh, and he sells it to this guy. Uh, Al buys it or whatever his car says. Yeah, that's Tony. Right. Tony buys it, his which name is a totally is American thing we do. 
we paint we we <laughs> weird i mean i see that all the time i've never seen that before in my life <laughs> nobody's got like a curious oh, there's a store to yeah. yeah it's called tony buys it right, right there in miami exactly he's got a scuba diver tony uh, gear genie he's got parking look at that right in front of there now tony was um in hardly working 1980 oh really which we saw yeah yeah uh he was tony the clown so the thing is I, you didn't really he was in makeup oh did he fire all the other clowns listen circus got it closed sorry about that sorry yeah. flip-flop sorry bobo sorry jj oh can you uh open the door i want to say sorry to all the other 20 clowns that's right yeah now they're too shy to come out okay yeah these guys are all character actors they all have like shtick and this is kind of a cool space i mean they're able to go into a store like this and use it yeah you know it builds itself so now, let me he is there going to be in a lamp yes he's going to now see he'll rub it he'll polish it okay so he's <laughs> rubbing the lamp they, what's up with his collar did he pop his collar correctly yeah that's yeah. collar pop for sure now look this lou marsh right this junk man guy yeah he was a longtime comedy partner of tony adams it was called marsh and adams and they were on the johnny carson a lot and they were on wow. jackie gleason's show a lot um oh, oh the the unmemorable parts of the jackie gleason show he did this <laughs> segment called the honeymooners and people love that and then right. he had 40 other minutes yeah, that's right so he was a mainstay in the miami nightclub scene for years with this partner tony adams and he's semi-retired living in south florida but i mean obviously they're in miami to do a movie they're gonna right. throw him in yeah i mean he is pretty funny oh look at this effect here is genie in the Genie, you're in the bloody lamp. Oh my God, I'm pretending I can't believe it. <laughs> well, how do you do that, Carl? You walk backwards? Yeah, go, go, shrink yeah, away. I got to hide behind a, oh, never mind. I'm trying to shrink away. Now, I have to admit, this is not the first time we watch a children's film on this show, which is pure wish fulfillment. We watched two, we watched all the Munchies movies. Yeah. Both sequels were kids' movies where a magical creature wished grants them any wish they want. Anything, yeah. You want yeah. a pizza? It's flying over from Tony's right. pizza shop. You want your girl to fall in love with you? No problem. Bing. Bing. Oh, you watch, well, the Munchie movies, it was always a, like a creepy predator going after his mom, and, yeah. and Munchie mm -hmm. prevented it. Yeah. Is that going to happen? Is what about his mom in this movie? Um, his mom's really weird. She has um, an accent, like a Danish accent, but none of the other characters do. The father doesn't, and nor does really? the kid. But Spencer has an accent. I am the genie. Okay, well, I'll tell you when we get there. She's we'll a, get there. Yeah, she's an actor, um, a model, and she wears her stuff. Well, because I know in this movie, she works at a, a dubious nightclub run by gangsters. Right. And that the, yeah. one of the gangsters is like, uh, she's like, you, you're saying that because I, uh, I don't want to sleep with you. It's like, right. yeah, I just want you to sleep with me. This is a kid's film. 
I'll, I'll let you know during the kids film where the mom gets proposed <laughs> like that. Right. That's right. <laughs> yeah. So it reminded me of the munchies. It was the same, you know, less crass way of having like, oh, I don't want to trust this guy. Okay. So she's a Swedish, Swedish actress and model. That's how she started as a model. She starred primarily in Italian exploitation films. And this, this whole film is from Italy. Um, her modeling yeah. career brought her to Rome where she studied acting at this drama school. So anyway, it's so weird, Mike. She has a Swedish accent, her, the mother, but the child doesn't have that accent. And the, her father doesn't have that accent. They're American. Was he using a credit card as a calculator? <laughs> no, he had a little electronic calculator. The joke no, here, that he, was a credit card. These fangled things in it. Yeah, he's he's just chewing up scenery, basically. They're like, let's sit in the corner, pretend you're on the phone. Yeah. Hey, all right. So I calculated the numbers, and it's let me tell much. you what it was. And it has Acting. nothing to do with the plot. We're, it, it it doesn't even really go to character. We we already know that about his character from the way he behaves. Or yeah, he treated. Well, he uh, I think he spent five dollars on the on the junk, and then he's like, I pay you five bucks. Well, wait, does he see? He doesn't see Bud, right? Even though his shadow's on Bud? He does. Look, he you can see, see him. Even though it's on yeah, his but, arm. Good call. Right. This movie is great. The direction is so fun, this movie. <laughs> like, the, the director does some really neat tricks in this film. I mean, look, it's all glittery down here. I mean, go ahead. take. Don't forget, steal the lamp. Well, yeah, because that's... Where he lives. That's, I've seen Nigerian and Genie. <laughs> It's how he can summons him, and there's no monkey in this movie. I know, like, uh, yeah. Was do you think the producers would like get us Robin Williams, and they're like, he's unavailable? How about Bud Spencer? Done. <laughs> Poster has well, been made. Was a totally Italian film, and but our Israeli buddies, uh, Globus Golan. Oh yeah, Golden Globus. Now, I don't know about Globus, but this film took Golan to new heights. Oh, Golan Heights? Yeah. Um, okay. Uh, produced by Yoram Globus and Mendem Golan. Our favorite Israeli oh. schlockmaestros, right? We, we've seen a, a few of their films. Right. They're they always films. canon films. So what was it? It was America 3000 and Going Bananas, right? Yeah, right, right. Which going bananas was also tastelessly a kid film with 